Welcome to the Tony Talks Wealth Podcast. This show is dedicated to helping you manage your money better, invest wisely, retire early, and grow your wealth for you and your family and live your best life. My name is Tony Thomas, Charter Financial Planner, Pension Specialist, and Money Coach. I've advised thousands of people over the last 30 years. I'm going to share with you real life stories and everything that you need to know to build a financially secure future and a great lifestyle. If you enjoy the podcast, then feel free to subscribe and leave a review. Now let's dive into today's episode on the Tony Talks Wealth Podcast. I'm really pleased to be joined by Jane Frey today. So a big welcome to you, Jane, and thank you for joining me. Thank you so much for having me, Tony. It's great to be here. You're very welcome. Jane is a very experienced career coach. So Jane, please introduce yourself and tell us more about your story, your business, and how you help others with their careers. So, um, so I offer private career coaching for senior HR professionals who've really outgrown their current role and they are just want to secure their dream role in their dream organization with a dream package and all of that in less than six months. And I came to this through redundancy. So not once, but twice within the space of 12 months. So I've been redundant a few times too. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So this is what I'll always say. So people are not redundant. Roles are redundant. So so I always have to think about how I position that. So you'll hear a lot of people say, I was made redundant. And I say, no, you were not. Your role was made redundant. You are not redundant. You walk out of that organization with all of your skills, experience and expertise in your pocket. No one can take that away from you. Your job doesn't exist anymore, but you are not redundant. And you that's can take those a, That's skills such an important point, isn't it? Yeah. Such an important yeah. point. So people's, yeah. um, should we say, they are very bruised at that stage anyway, emotionally. Yeah. So something like that can make all the, all the difference to some of these um, um, self-worth, if you like. Yeah. And it is, it's interesting because certainly when you then start to talk about, you know, your experience, what, I mean, I know we're sort of in the middle of lockdown right now, but you know, when you're out with your friends and they're asking you what's going on, if you could just change the way that you're talking about your situation, that that can change how people perceive you and it can change your own perception of your situation as well. So just saying, you know, my role was made redundant is a very different response to I was made redundant. And likewise, you know, if you're being interviewed for your next role as well, I'm in the job market because my role was made redundant. It's a much more positive spin than I was redundant because you're not, absolutely not. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, you know, you get to a certain age in life and it happens to us all at least once and it's happening to a lot of people right now. So a lot of my contacts are in uh, the aviation industry. So I spent 20 years working at British Airways and then um, I spent some time in Leon restaurants as well. So my, my first experience of redundancy was um, at BA. So, so two very different experiences. So I came to that through, um, it was a voluntary Uh, redundancy so um, cost pressures as there always is in the airline industry Uh, I'd worked in HR long enough so I'd done a lot of senior HR roles I'd exited thousands of people from the business through redundancy so I knew at some point 
that guillotine was going to come down on my neck and it did eventually. Um, but BA being a huge behemoth of an organization from the time I had my at risk conversation to leaving was nine months. So I found out in the June, my role was at risk. I left in the March. So it took a really long time to kind of get my head around it. Is, is that a good or a bad thing in terms of? With hindsight, I think the, the intention is it's a good thing and it's kind and it's kind of looking after people. My hindsight is it's actually quite cruel because uh, my second experience of redundancy was very, very different. It was literally um, Thursday, got an email, come to this meeting to discuss your future employment the following day. Now, I've worked in HR long enough to know that when anyone wants to discuss your future employment, quote unquote, that means there is no future employment. So, uh, so I knew kind of what was coming with that. And I went to the meeting, it was a Friday, and it was, you know, reducing head office costs, go home, write your handover, come back on Monday with your laptop phone, keys to the office, that is your last day. It's a very, very different experience. In a way, that second one was a kinder experience because it's almost like ripping off a plaster. Yeah, yeah. Whereas the BA experience was much more long, much more drawn out. It's like, we know what's going to happen here. Should we just crack on with it? But then from a financial point of view, you're thinking, well, another month has passed. I've cashed another paycheck. So let's, <laughs> let's try and keep that process going as long as we possibly can. My experience is more of the, the second one where it's... Um, come in today or br- bring the, the car into work today um, <laughs> as an example so you know something's up then but I agree with you sometimes yeah. when something is all of a sudden well it's, it's happened you just got to deal with it when you have yeah. pre-warning uh, then it can serve um, to be uh, both a positive and a, a negative positive I say from a financial point of view but negative in terms of you know where do I go from here uh, I've got you know, nine months to think about this because I can't go anywhere. Otherwise, I lose my sort of package, if you like. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it, it's, yeah. It, uh, and I think for me, in terms, of, in terms of my experience, I could bounce back quicker the second time because mm. I'd had that slow experience the first mm. time. But if I was going to say, you know, which is better, I'd kind of go, I kind of think you need somewhere in the middle. Mm. Um, or if you're going to pull the plaster off quickly, put put some sort of scaffolding or some support around people so that they can kind of get themselves back to whatever the next stage is for them. So for some people, it might just be, okay, I've, you know, I'm at an age, I'm going to retire. I've got enough money to do that. Or it's, you know, you might be a 20 something year old and going like, Oh my God, I've got to pay the rent. I need to get a job or, or kind of somewhere in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you say you specialize in uh, the HR sort of, uh, um, if you like, groups of people. It, so any, anything you do, I'm assuming this is uh, appropriate for anybody in terms of the, the coaching that you do, or is it purely because your niche is that HR? So in terms of my marketing and my message, my niche is HR, because one of the things that one of the names we used to call ourselves when I was an HR business partner at BA was Cobbler's Children. So as, as HR people, you look after everybody else and then forget about yourself. So, you know, perfect example. I had my at-risk conversation and then you know, at the end of that, it's like, okay, so your team are going to come in now individually. Uh, can you be 
their kind of person at their at-risk conversation. It's like, hang on a minute, you've just told me that my job after almost 20 years is no longer is no longer there. I'm now on this change curve and I now have to get pull myself up by my bootstraps and be the professional manager for my team members, which is actually from a human point of view I wanted to do. But it's like, I mean, I know I'm an actress in my spare time, but I mean, this was, you know, this... <laughs> This, this required me to dig deep. So, I mean, that's an example, you know, and, and you know, right now in, in the aviation industry, you know, I've, I've got ex-colleagues who have been running redundancy consultations whilst knowing that they are at risk of redundancy as well. So it's almost like they exit everybody from the business and then the next week, it's like suddenly now this is about you. So HR people are very focused on helping everybody else through the process and they get left behind. So I think when people who are in HR come to me, they're almost kind of exhausted because they're, they're running redundancy programs and they're, they're quite mentally draining anyway. And then it's happening to them. So it's almost like every coach has a coach. So HR people are great at helping other people to transition out of one organization and into another, but somebody needs to help them. So that's why I, I've got that focus. The process is the same. So it doesn't yeah. matter, you know, who I'm helping, whether you're in marketing or finance or HR or it doesn't matter. The process is the same that I take my clients through. Yeah, I, th- I think with any um, discipline that you're in, uh, uh, having a niche uh, for me, certainly, and I'm sure it's the same for many people, especially in the, um, should we say, the coaching or the uh, mentoring uh, business, if you like, I think is key because you've got a um, synergy with these people and you can relate to them so much better. You've been there, you've done it, you've experienced it yourself, so you know exactly what they're going through and it's got to help you in terms of when you're dealing with these people. Yeah, it's interesting because uh, um, what I help people in the HR space to do, particularly when they're in the job market, is to translate what they do into the language of the business. So a lot of people will say, you know, oh, I was just doing my job. You know, we start to talk about their achievements and, and, you know, the difference they've made to a business. And they talk about, I was just doing my job. And it's like, come on, you were doing so much more than that. You know, what, what, what have you done in terms of, you know, making money for the organization, reducing costs for the organization or mitigating risk for the organization? You know, it's, that's what your, you know, hiring managers are looking for. They're looking for what you've done in your previous life because they want a little bit of that in their business as well. So it's getting HR people to translate some of their work into, you know, how have you reduced, improved, increased, saved, grown the business um, and adding some numbers onto that because HR people are notoriously bad at adding numbers and data to stuff. <laughs> I can help her. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, you, thing if you've done a you know a huge piece of work on um, managing absence or improving you know leadership conversations, how much did you reduce the absence by? Two yeah. days per employee per year. Okay, so what does that translate to in terms of pounds, shillings, and pence? You know, there's a massive cost saving there. You know, I'm I'm working with somebody at the moment, a new HR director, and she's looking at their data and has calculated there's a there's three quarters of a million pounds that is spent on sick pay and backfilling those roles every single year. Now, now if you can put three quarters of a million pounds back into a business, you know, 
you're the sort of HR person that people will want. So I just help people to kind of just translate what they've done into kind of the language of the business that makes them more marketable and gets them a better package as well. I think it comes down to, uh, to some extent, selling yourself, understanding your true worth, understanding yeah. all the skills you, you, you've acquired over those years and in the role that you've been in, and how, if you like, what uh, others are looking for in terms of um, the role that they have available. And I'm yeah. sure when you're in you know, the, you know, those types of roles, you've learned so much, you've just don't always appreciate the skill levels, yeah. if you like, and the experience you've got, which other people are going to want. Yeah, it, it always surprises people when they actually start to look at their, you know, career history and their achievements, you know, and I, what I encourage people to do is write a database of those things so that they can pull on those at, at any time you know, whether it's in an interview or, you know, on a phone call or a networking meeting, it's all kind of front of brain, um, you know, and, and any good HR person would have kept all of their end of year reviews because that is just a list of all of your achievements because you're positioning yourself for a bonus. You're positioning yourself to get a better performance review, which leads to a better bonus. So that is a great starting point. So if any of you are HR people or not, and you're, you're thinking about how do I, how do I secure my bonus and pay rise or your new job, go back to your performance reviews. Cause that is a whole stack of data right there that you can build from. I remember doing those myself in my role. So it's, uh, <laughs> it was always an interesting conversation. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because yeah, everyone's trying to, you know, position themselves as a, as a, as a great performer. So, you know, start there. And then it's almost like this onion. Once you start to peel back the layers of what you've achieved, all these other things start to pop into your head. You know, it's almost like this domino effect. And I, you know, I say to my client, capture that now where it's fresh, you know, it's, you know, even if you just write the name of the project down and then go and, you know, go and do the kind of brain, you know, getting everything out of your brain, um, but get it out of your brain and onto a piece of paper because that it, you can then not memorize that, but you yeah. can then start to practice saying that out loud and, and, you know, you'll sound much more confident and competent when you're in an interview situation. So tell me when somebody comes to you and obviously they need uh, career advice. Uh, I'm assuming that you have a, um, a process, if you like, and a series of steps that you take these people through. So can you give us um, some insights into, you know, I've been, uh, for example, I've been made redundant last week and I'm, I'm, I'm probably feeling pretty low. I've contacted you in terms of uh, I need to find a job, uh, you know, I've got bills to pay, etc. Where do you start with that person? So one of the first questions I ask people is how long have they got in terms of how long is it before they need, that sounds like that sounded a bit weird. How long have you got left? It sounds like how, how long have you got to get a job? So it, it, in other words, it's like, how long will your money last? Last year. Yes. So, you know, cause actually it doesn't matter whether you've got 10 grand, 20 grand, 50 grand. It's like, how long does 10 grand, 20 grand, 50 grand. I'm used to asking you? those types of questions. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it is, you know, it's, it's almost like I, I say that to people, if you haven't done this already, you get on top of your finances and create a survival budget. And, you know, and this is not a job to do in isolation. So particularly if you're in a, in a, 
partnership or a household or you know your marriage or whatever um you need to get the whole family on board with this you know because you know and i did this with my husband so my example is interesting because i used to earn a lot more than my husband i earned probably three times more than him so we kind of go from a situation where i'm paying for every single bill to okay darling your salary that was our like fun money is now what we're going to live off (laughs) and that needs to be a household conversation so you know we literally sat down and listed every single expense that we have and it's not about shaving them off right now it's just about getting clear about how much does it cost you to live your life right now yeah so per month what does it cost every single thing you know and if you think you spend you know 100 pounds a week on going out to eat which we used to do, you know, double that, you know, almost, almost be over generous with it. And then think, okay, so how much money have you got? And there's a you know, simple calculation to go, okay, so your money's going to last six months. Now, if you want your money to last longer than six months, then you need to shave some, yeah. then you need to shave some expenditures. So get rid of, do you need Netflix, Sky Sport and Amazon, whatever it is. Do you need all three of those? Probably not. So you can get rid of one of those uh, gym membership is another one when you know when we had gyms open i included that in my budget because it was so important to my health yeah. um, to just get out and go to the gym in the day um, and just kind of keep active so once you've got the data you can actually then start to make the decisions and that gives you t- you can literally buy yourself time by cutting out some of the superfluous stuff that you do not need to spend your money on I would imagine, again, it's not too dissimilar to what I do when somebody looking to retire. They need to know or understand how much are they going to need to live that lifestyle. They have to do the exercise in today's terms, cost that out, um, uh, and what that lifestyle um, looks like. So you yeah. know exactly what we're aiming for. But I think yeah. uh, going back to, to the point you've made, I think it must be, for a lot of people, they are panicking at that stage in terms of, uh, like the example I give you when I, you know, if I came to you and I've just lost my job a week ago, etc., then a lot of people panic because they think they have to rush out and find the first job uh, that they're offered. Yeah. Uh, and often that, that may not be the job they want and it's not going to do them any good. They could be better off if taking a little bit more time and find the job that actually suits them best. Yeah. I mean, that's where getting clear on your finances is so important up front. And I don't necessarily sit down with my clients and do that. I, you know, actually I've got some, you know, handouts. I go, here's a budget sheet, go and go and figure this out for yourself. And if actually you can afford to take four weeks, six weeks, two months off. I mean, I took, when I, when I left Leon, it was two, two weeks before Christmas. So I wallowed in self-pity for a little bit. Uh, we had Christmas, I had a couple of trips planned and I didn't start, I gave myself two months actually to chill out because I hadn't really had a break between leaving BA and starting at Leon. Yeah. So I gave myself two months and and I had a date where I was going to start looking for a job. I mean, what happened was I kind of went through a process where I was looking for a job and thinking about starting a business and decided I was doing neither of them well. So decided on the, on the business. But again, that's where getting clear on, your, on, on how long will your money last gives you the ability to do that. So 
it's always a great idea to have a little bit of a break because that just gives you some space to just think about actually what do I want to do next and that's where when people start to work with me they we get down to the real nitty-gritty of actually let's let's start again because now you the world is your oyster Mm. and what happens to people a lot in the corporate world particularly when they're in big organizations is they think they have a direction they're going in and they move one degree away from that each year and suddenly they find themselves in a job and they go how the hell did they end up doing this job <laughs> so actually what redundancy is is a great opportunity to kind of reset that yeah, yeah. and go do you know what i mean i, I was i was helping a client uh, she worked for a large uh, petroleum company and we were chatting and she's like i've really fallen out of love with them because i just disagree fundamentally with a lot of what they're doing they're claiming it's all green energy she goes it's a whole load of claptrap um and through a through a process of looking at her values and her past achievements and and just a coaching conversation she got to the position was actually do you know what i really want to be in hr because i love hr um but in the arts. So, you know, her, her dream job was the sort of HR director of one of the big museums, the V&A, right. Tate. And that opportunity actually came up. And she's now in a process for an HR directorship in a big museum in central London with Fantastic. outposts around the world. So it's almost like taking that time to just go, do you know what? What do I really want to do? Let let me think about what my target market is because yes, there's a thing about organizations wanting me, but there's a question which is like, well, where do I want to be? And what's, you know, if I'm going to be working for another 10 years, I want that 10 years to be a great 10 years. And I don't want to work for an organization that I just don't believe in. I don't buy in It's incongruent to me and my value set. So it's a great opportunity to, to just reset. I would imagine that's very common because uh, I've had a number of jobs over the years and especially when I was climbing the career ladder in the financial services world, I uh, left organizations every single time because my values differ from the direction that that company is going in. So I'm sure this is yeah quite a common thing to happen and i think it probably comes to when you're at a certain age where you know you're a little bit older perhaps a little bit wiser you know yourself (laughs) a little bit better and you think yeah i'm not just doing this for uh money anymore this needs to mean something to me and to my core if you like yeah yeah and it's and it's interesting so a couple of things happen certainly on the financial side so either people get to the point where it's like why am I busting a gut for, you know, this prize figure that they had in their mind? Because they realized, you know what, I don't, why am I, I don't need this massive house. I don't need this fancy Mm. car. Who am I trying to impress? I'd rather be in a role with less pressure or in an organization where I don't want to wear that suit or whatever, or they're, they're going, which is what you were talking about before, which is I want to retire with X lifestyle. So therefore I need to just pump my pension pot full of cash. And I, and that's the compromise I'm going to make the the conscious decision that I'm going to make. So it's interesting kind of how it goes. And then, you know, people will, but people are choosing their path really. Yeah. I've actually worked with a few, um, 
I don't watch would they call themselves more of a sort of um, they were coaches as well and they were more in the, the redundancy market but part of that, I think they've called me in a few times to discuss people's finances to make sure that you know they get an accurate picture of where they are now and obviously what the situation looks like going forward so they know if if they if things are achievable or not and if they need to take a certain um a course in terms of uh, a job or when not they can perhaps take something uh, less uh, but something more rewarding to them uh, in terms of their core values etc or yeah. uh, similar to what you've done uh, start your own business yeah it's yeah it's interesting because i for me starting a business was a kind of itch that i had when i left British Airways and I just thought you know what no I don't want to be just the person who's left BA and not worked anywhere else and yeah. a lot of my former colleagues had kind of left BA and then they'd gone back as a contractor into BA and I was like I do not want to do that that to me is failure <laughs> so I and I actually got headhunted for the job at Leon and I was like oh my god this is like it, it's everything I want. So when I think about my values, you know, I wanted to, and, and my target market, it was like, I want to be in the HR people development space. I want to be in a, a, a smaller organization where we're not hindered by this big machine that I just want to be in an organization that gets stuff done, that's driving change in the world and actually leon then it's almost like i sort of manifested it if we want to get a bit woo woo about it it's like because well, i, I you, was <laughs> yeah but you give the example of the lady before in the arts surely yeah. um, she it sounds to me if that was uh, uh manifested through her thoughts if you like yeah <laughs> but it's almost like, like so, you, yeah. you sort of put it out there into yeah. the world and then if you start talking about you know what i talk about one of your four routes to market being your network if you can start talking about what you're looking for but being really specific about it you know i've had people go oh i don't mind i'll do anything it's like it's not helpful whereas if you say do you know what i would just really love to be part of um a small um uh, organization in hospitality that's really making a difference in the world you're like okay that i remember that oh do you know what i know such and such a person i mean for me it happened the other way around they approached me and i was just like oh my god yes this is like this is the job that i want um and i think again when you're in an interview situation that comes across as well when it's like no no this is the job i want rather yeah. than the other one I was interviewing for. Well, I think sometimes when you are having an interview, uh, you're interviewing uh, the organisation and that individual as well. It's not just a one-way uh, street in terms of interviews. I've been to enough over the years. Yeah. I'm a <laughs> professional, if you like, or I yeah. was at one stage. So uh, I was never, ever afraid of uh, interviews. In fact, I used to have a bit of fun in interviews. Um, but that only becomes uh, comes with experience, if you like, and knowing exactly what I wanted, uh, and that's easier said than done, unless you've you've been through that a number of times. Yeah, and I, and that's where that kind of getting clear on what you want comes across as well, because if you have got to the point where it's like, oh my god, my money's run out and I'm desperate, that of comes course. across. Yeah, yeah. And that's not, it's like being in a relationship. It's like when someone's needy, it's like really off-putting. Yeah. <laughs> and likewise in the job market, when someone's really needy, it's just like, oh my God, 
But again, this is where it's like get clear on your money up front because then you are not in that position yeah. where you are desperate because that, that doesn't come across. But you can actively choose who you put yourself in front of. And, and it's like less is more in the job market, yeah. you know, like be really selective about the organizations that you're having conversations with and go almost deeper into that relationship rather than trying to date everybody because that doesn't work <laughs> <laughs> some of serial daters you never know so no i should be on a dating show because <laughs> because job hunting is like dating it is like finding your perfect partner you'll spend more time at work than you will with your partner anyways <laughs> This is why I think I must have been flirting then when I was having my interviews because I used to really enjoy them. So. But there is, because it's a little bit of like, do we get on? And, yeah. you know, if you, um, you're absolutely right. It is about your interviewing, your, you know, your, your potential hiring manager. You know, that's the person that you're going to be, uh, that's going to be, you know, putting your name forward for projects yeah. is, yeah. you know, putting your name forward for pay rises, for bonuses, you know, coaching you, developing you, and you have to click with that person. You know, I really clicked with, um, actually at all line, my line managers bar one, a BA, I, I had a great relationship with, um, and my line manager at Leon had a great relationship with as well. And, and my team members, and it makes such a difference. It really does. Yeah, I'm sure it does. So, so you've identified, you've got the stage where you've identified or they've identified now what they really want to do. Cause obviously that's part of what you help them to, to focus on. So what happens after that in terms of the next step? So that's when we start to get into the sort of nitty gritty technical side of job hunting. So really thinking about, okay, so your, your four routes into market. So you've got your CV um, and I talk about a database CV. So this database CV can be as long as you want it to be. And that gets edited down based on the role that you're putting yourself forward for. So there might be a bit of, you know, reorganizing things. So you put the more relevant achievements to the, to the top um, you might choose to use a functional CV rather than a chronological CV. So you group things around what we call an HR competences, things like yeah. project management, people management, um, and your LinkedIn profile. So get your LinkedIn profile working for you because if it's, that is, that's doing your networking for you when you're asleep. Uh, so get that work, get it looking great. Um, get some great recommendations on there, get it really focused on the sort of thing you're looking for and start to be in there every day, connecting with people and writing content and engaging on other people's content, because that will push you further up the searches when internal recruiters are using LinkedIn. Um, think about your network as well, because certainly the more senior you are in an organization, most roles are not advertised. Yeah. So again, this is where if you can get really clear on what type of role you're looking for in what type of organization, your network will be kind of open to that. Um, and then I'd, so I'd say number four of four um, is your recruitment partner. So recruiters are a bit like estate agents and traffic wardens. Um, there are some good ones. Most of them are shysters, uh, but, <laughs> but they are a route into market as well. So pick your relationships carefully with recruiters and again go go narrower and deeper with the relationships rather than not yeah i'm sure with your experience you know uh, the good ones and the ones that's not so good should we say uh, but yeah. it depends on what part of the country you're at as well so 
And what's your um, industry? So, you know, you know, and I'd I'd say if you can, you know, work with, you know, there there are certain headhunters that are sort of HR specialists, some that are more specialist in the financial services market, for example, or uh, there's a whole lot that just do interim um, managers as well. So, you know, interim is a great option if you've worked in somewhere for a long time and want to get some breadth of experience, try out some stuff. becoming an interim is is a great option but what that does mean is that you're consistently looking for a job every six months to a year so it's long, that's the flip side of that <laughs> yeah but again if until somebody's maybe clear in in terms of what they want to do that might um you know be a sensible route for me. it just depends on how clear and focused are of what they want to do next or they could be waiting yeah. for a role in between yeah yeah for sure uh i'm interested in that as well is you must have people, again, you went through this yourself. Uh, I did as well, um, because we both uh, run our own business. Um, and uh, having gone through uh, either redundancy or working for a, a number of people who don't share your core values, et cetera, and you, do not, you no longer believe in them, then yeah. the option obviously is to, to go and set up your own business, become self-employed in whatever yeah. you know, legal format uh, that takes. So are you seeing uh, a lot more of that now? And is that out of choice or is it out of necessity? Because you can't find other options. Well, people setting up businesses. Yeah. Do you know, it's interesting because my clients, no, I don't see that at all, actually. I think, um, you know, and maybe it's the thing if it's not right now, um, I'm just in my head, I'm sort of going through my Rolodex of clients and actually they all want to um, step in, step back into a kind of job um, world. They see that as safer in inverted commas. Um, I'm not sure if it is. I mean, for me, I just think, you know, setting up my business, I have had like an almost vertical learning curve. <laughs> and, and I think for me, that has kind of created almost a, a better life for me, you know, just in terms of, you know, my, my freedom, what that's given to me, you know, I'm of an age and a, you know, financial position where it's like, you know, I don't, I don't need to be earning what I was earning in the corporate world. I don't want to be doing what I was doing to earn that money. I just yeah. like, no, I'm, I'm quite happy. <laughs> I think it, you know, I think it also probably depends what industry you're coming from. Maybe uh, HR uh, as an as a sector, if you like, is more uh, attuned to being employed rather than being self-employed. I don't know. I mean, my background probably is you know is it's hugely sales orientated, and therefore, uh, you know, set up a business isn't maybe such a big jump that is to others. Yeah, I think a, a lot of um, HR people go down the HR consultancy route. So, um, you know, so they'll go, what that generally means is your customers are smaller to medium enterprises. So organizations that don't necessarily or aren't big enough to have their own kind of HR, or they've got, you know, a particular project that they need doing, you know, like outsourcing a payroll provider or something, or, you know, a redundancy project or something that they want somebody to come in and manage a a, a distinct piece of work uh, rather than kind of being on the books the whole time. So, I mean, for me, that's not the bit of HR that I like. That's 
what what we call transactional HR and much more on the transformational people development growth side of stuff rather than the chopping it down. I've done enough of that in my in my career at BA and I'm, I'm much more about building things up than <laughs> tearing them down. Uh, well, as you say, it's much more important to enjoy what you're doing and um, seeing other people, if you like, uh, grow and uh, if you like, get onto the uh, another career ladder, which is perhaps more rewarding and fulfilling what the previous one was. There's got to be, yeah. you know, a nice feeling from from uh, your point of view as well. So yeah, yeah, it's interesting actually. I'm just uh, a. Uh, former colleague one of my very first clients actually um, I've just noticed on LinkedIn she's just set up her own coaching practice which is really interesting so she's almost where I was you know a couple of years ago so she had had a couple of ex- had a couple of redundancies and has now just set up her own coaching practice so it's that is really nice to see but I think sometimes people are almost like I just need a, another job just to kind of build up the build up the reserves of cash in the bank so that I can go and, yeah. you know, set up my business because I know that's going to, you know, there's going to be more costs than profit than income initially. It's one of those um, decisions in terms of when you start a business, you do need money behind you ideally uh, because obviously it can take the pressure because you know, you're not going to be earning straight away unless you're very lucky. Um, but it can make a difference between you starting a, uh, a business of your own and not uh, having that money, maybe a redundancy package, whatever it is in, in the background. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it, it, yeah. It, redundant, redundant, it's just that back to that resetting thing, isn't it? The, the redundancy thing. I think what I'm seeing a lot of um, from, you know, certainly from BA is the, and I, and I kind of sensed this, which is why I decided to to take it when I did, is the the very generous redundancy packages are no longer there. It's, yeah, you know, no. the minimum. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No. I think it's a question of uh, you know, paying what they have to um, legally rather than paying maybe for the length of service and the actual, uh, if you like, the work that you've done for that organisation. Yeah. Yeah, I was. Um, I could never quite understand it, but I wasn't complaining at the time. <laughs> <laughs> I think when somebody's handed up money, then don't complain. Just, just take, just, just take say it thank with you. And thank you. Thank you very much. Yes. Yeah. I say so, thank you and exit stage left. <laughs> yeah. So tell me, obviously, with um, when people are coming to a stage where they are going to be made redundant, obviously they know in advance or even in short term. So. Would you would you recommend that uh, you know anybody going through that situation um, seeks out uh, expert uh, advice or coaching from somebody like yourself? I think so. I think you know certainly my experience and you know friends who I've spoken to, you know what they feel they feel the pressure from their family and they're yeah. tired of those questions of yeah. how's it going have yeah. you got a job yet yeah. what are you doing yeah. blah, blah, blah. And very often it's like as much as your friends and family love you they are not the people who are going to help you in this situation because they they really don't have the expertise it's i liken it to your family trying to teach you how to drive you'll just have a row in the car so it's like go and go and pay for a 
like a professional Dave's driving Dave's instructor. Arguments, yes. Yeah, it's like it's for, for, for marital harmony. It's, you know, that, that driving instructor will get you to your result of passing your driving test much, much quicker. Um, you know, and, you know, what this is what I do all day, every day with my clients. You know, I've got, you know, an ear on the job market as well. You know, I'm, you know, I know what people are asking in terms of, you know, interview questions, what the latest fad is, you know, yeah. how to, you know, since COVID, everything has now gone online. So where people were really nervous about using, you know, Zoom and stuff, yeah. it's like, I can work with people anywhere in the world yeah. now, you know, not just sort of around where I live. Yeah, well, I, I, I've been experiencing exactly the same, whereas, uh, you know, it's what you try to do when you build in a client base, you say, obviously, uh, and then with mine is obviously I provide the service, not just initially, but it's ongoing. Um, so what I don't want to do or haven't wanted to do is travel more than an hour, uh, ideally, to see somebody. So it means a two-hour trip there and back. Uh, and with, obviously, the advent of um, Zoom meetings, should we say, uh, that can be anywhere in the UK. Yeah. And, and, around, and I've got clients who I've worked with in Thailand, South Africa, Dubai, Hong Kong. Um, we seem to know one West yet, actually. But yeah, I mean, I can... There are, there are slight differences in terms of the job market and how they operate and how, what CVs look like. But, you know, actually, it, it kind of... Principles are the same, aren't they? Yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah. So if somebody wanted to work with you, uh, you know, they, they are coming to a stage in their life where they are going to be made redundant. How do they find you, Jane? So, um, so I'd say if, you're, if your role is going to be made redundant or if you've just outgrown your job and you're just bored out of your brain and know you can do more, then um, you can find me on LinkedIn. That's where I hang out most of the time. And I have also have a website, which is just my name, janeforay.com. Okay. I will put all your contact details up on the show notes so people will be able to find you. I think you've made a very good point because, uh, again, thinking of my own situation, um, I've always uh, left uh, when uh, I felt the timing was right for me. And exactly the, uh, as you described, either the, I've outgrown the company, which happens more often than not, or um, I have, uh, should we say, um, don't always see things eye to eye with somebody <laughs> else in the organization. Yeah. And that probably happens, uh, happens uh, more often than not. It did happen yeah. more often than not. Um, it's so, interesting. Yeah, I, the, I, it's, a, it's a good the, point, that is. So. The thing that COVID is doing right now so, so since lockdown is we are seeing the good, the bad and the ugly yeah. of organizations. Yeah. So, you know, at the beginning of this whole thing, you know, Weatherspoons is a, is an organization that sticks out in my mind of yeah. how they treated their staff. Yeah. Um, there are other, my husband's company that I won't, I won't name them here. They sent everybody home before we, before Boris did and they've closed their office and they are now hundred percent working from home. Yeah. They are, they are brilliant. Um, so it's almost like you're starting to see where organizations are no longer a match for you and yeah. your value set. Yeah. 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 I think this period has been, uh, as you say, a time for realization in terms of your own values, uh, what's important to you and when not the organization that you work uh, with or for, 
uh, is uh, that uh, actual perfect match for you. And as you say, I think in many cases that isn't uh, the situation. No, and, and as we come out of lockdown, again, this is another kind of just period of transition in terms of, okay, so suddenly everybody's at home and now you suddenly want everyone back in the office or let's talk together about what that would look like. Now, if your organization, again, if, if you know, you've bent over backwards and now they've forgotten about it, then it's time to go. Yeah. Time to go. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it wouldn't be my podcast uh, if I didn't ask you my favorite question. <laughs> so I'm going to ask you my favorite question, and um, one I ask all of my guests, and um, that is, what does wealth mean to you? So I, so I thank you for, for sharing this with me beforehand, because I have <laughs> been thinking about this. And it's, it's funny because wealth to me is not really about money at all. Wealth to me is about my life it's almost I, th- I think of like a wealth of experiences that that I have and that's that's the thing that I've really struggled with during COVID it's yeah. the the lack of you know I've got friends all over the world whom I've seen via zoom which is great but not the same um you know it's the it's the wealth of experiences that we have together you know the, the wealth of experience of our holidays and it's that to me is is what wealth is it's you know you add all of these things up together and that to me is a is a wealthy life uh it, well it's a perfect answer wealth means different things to different people and i think uh, going back to what you mentioned earlier it's all about you as an individual what is important to you this is why you choose a different career path than perhaps you would have done 10 years ago it's about what does wealth mean to you now and that does change as you get older um, but it's very personal and it does mean different things to different people. For me, as an example, uh, it's about having a balance in every aspect of your life and having choices, a wealth of choices yeah. to be able to live the life that you want to live. Yeah, I love that wealth of choices. Um, Jane, it's been really great speaking to you today. And thank you so much for sharing your knowledge uh, and experience uh, in terms of how you help others. And I wish you all the very best in everything that you do. So thank you. Thank you, Tony, for having me. It's been brilliant to, to chat about money and what I do and how, the, how everything is so interlinked. So thank you for inviting me. I, I appreciate your time. No, my pleasure. I really enjoyed it. So I'm sure my listeners will too. Brilliant. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's episode. You can find links to everything that we've discussed in the show notes. And if you'd like to know more about what I do or see more great money tips to build a secure and a happy lifestyle, then you can find all of these on my website, ttwealth.co.uk, on my YouTube channel, TTWealth. If you want to work with me, then why not book a free 30-minute call to find out how? You can also follow me on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I also produce a bi-monthly newsletter, TT Wealth News, which contains practical money tips that is free for you to download from my website. And if you're enjoying this podcast, don't hesitate to leave a review. Of course, the more stars, the better. And equally, sharing is caring. So if you've heard something that you've enjoyed and you think will benefit someone you know, then please do share with them. I'm sure they will appreciate it. 
So it's goodbye until next time. And remember, live for today, invest for tomorrow.